0: you Ever had one of those times where it feels like you are all, all alone, where it doesn't seem like there's anyone around you who really understands what you're going through, or perhaps even cares what you're going through? If you've ever had one of those times, I imagine we all have, you know, it's a very lonely time. It's really a horrible feeling to go through a time like that. I think back to a time when I was seven years old and my parents took me skiing in Colorado. Now, this is a picture Uh, that is of our family when we were skiing. Obviously, uh, from back in the 1980s, we're very stylish there. That was our first time skiing in Colorado, and it was my first time. They'd been there before. I'd been skiing on some local ski hills before, but again, first time in Colorado. And so my parents thought it would be good if I start out in ski school. And so our first morning there, they registered me for ski school. They made sure I was connected with the right class. And then they took off to go skiing for the day. And a couple of minutes after that, all the classes for, of ski school started to head out to do their own thing for the day. But in the meantime, those few minutes after my parents dropped me off, the classes kind of got mixed up a little bit. I got a little bit confused of where I was supposed to go. But then these classes are all taking off, and so I decided I better go too. And so I chose one that looked good, and I went with them. I don't remember exactly why I chose to go with the class I did, but I do remember with crystal clarity what happened next. We skied a couple hundred yards down to the ski lift, and there was no lift line. We could have just gotten right into the lift. But right before we got to the lift, the instructor turned around and looked at the students. There were about eight of us. And she looked at me. She said, are you part of our group? I don't recognize you. And then she turned to the other students there, and she asked, do any of you recognize them? And they all kind of shook their head no. And then she turned to me and said, you aren't part of our group. You can't come with us. And with that, she turned, and she and the rest of the class got in the ski lift, leaving me all by myself at the bottom of the lift. Now, as I said, there weren't many people around there at all. I don't even uh, remember where the lift operator was. It wasn't nearby where this took place. And so no one even saw what just happened there. But here I am, seven years old, a brand new place, and I've just been abandoned. I mean, this is before cell phones, and, and, you know, you can imagine what that's like for me. Scared, feeling rejected, very unsure of what's going to happen next. And I think this is a feeling that many people have as they go through their lives. That they face challenges, they face heartaches, they face uncertainties, and it fills them with a sense of anxiety and, and just a question of, what am I going to do next? Does anyone really care? Does anyone even understand what I'm going through? You know, sometimes... Even when people are surrounded by family and friends, they still feel lonely because it doesn't seem like anyone really understands what they are facing. Or perhaps you're facing health challenges or financial struggles or you move to a new town or a new job or a new school where no one knows you and you feel all alone. And when you have these types of experiences, it, it, it's no fun at all. Now for me, thankfully, uh, back when I was seven years old, left there at the bottom of that ski lift all by myself, there was a woman who was skiing down the hill to that lift to take it back up to the top of the mountain. And as she got down there, she saw this little boy off on the side crying. And as she got closer, she realized that is her son. <laughs> you laugh. She was not laughing one bit. I wasn't either, but for me, I can never think of a time I was more excited, more happy, and more relieved to see my mom. Because, you know what, this instant wave of calm and relief came over me. And that's exactly what happens when you suddenly realize that you are in the presence of someone who, tr- who cares for you, who you fully trust. And I get know, as I said earlier tonight, that, that we all come here with a variety of things in our minds. And I imagine if we went around this room, we could all share things that weigh heavily on our hearts. Things that just stink or things that are just causing us anxiety and worry about the future. But we need to remember that God has not left us to walk alone through our challenging times. Through the month of December here at Freedoms, we've been talking about Christmas presents. And this idea of presents that we've been talking about is not the gifts that many of you are excited to open tomorrow morning, even though those can be exciting. This is a different type of gift. It's the gift of God with us. Specifically, in the form of Jesus. Let me read for us from Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is one of the biographies of Jesus. And Matthew is recounting the birth of Jesus those circumstances. He says in summary in verses 22 and 23, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. God with us. And if you back up a little bit earlier in that passage, you see uh, clearly how this came about. It says, now the birth of Jesus, verse 18, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And so God had conceived this little baby in Mary's womb through his supernatural process. This was no ordinary child whom Mary was carrying and would give birth to. This was God with us. God in human form. John 1.14. John is another biography of Jesus. John 1.14 says that God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is a really profound idea to think about. About God dwelling among us. He not only dwelled among humans, he became flesh human. Let me help you put this into perspective. Back in August, my family uh, adopted two kittens. And we love these cats. They bring a lot of love and joy into our household. And so the new reality in a lemon's household is that we dwell among cats. Some of you think that's a horrible reality. We, we really like that reality. These are, these are truly great cats. We, we enjoy them. Um, so we, we dwell among cats But there is a huge difference, a categorical difference between dwelling among cats and becoming a cat. Now, if I really wanted to understand what it's like to be a cat, if I wanted to relate to them on their level, speak their language, to understand fully what it means to be a cat, the best way to do so is not just to dwell among cats, but to become a cat myself. Now, I don't have the ability to become a cat, nor do I have the desire to become a cat. Because even though my wife and I joke about how nice it would be to lounge around the house all day like a cat, the reality is that's a major downgrade in life. Yet that is the type of step that God took 2,000 years ago when he stepped off his heavenly throne and came to this world in the form of a human. Except that step was infinitely greater than the step it would be for one of us to become a cat. I know this is kind of a silly analogy, but it shows how amazing it was that God Became flesh. As I said, I personally don't have any real desire to become a cat. But God wanted to become human. And it wasn't because He got bored up in heaven. I mean, He's been there for all eternity, but it's not like He got bored in heaven and decided, hey, let's try something new. Let's become human for a while. No, God's motive was love. He saw that we were enslaved by sin, that we were being destroyed by sin. And he knew the only way to qualify as a substitute to pay our death penalty for our sin was to become human. And so he did this out of love. And what we see in this is that God didn't reject us. Instead, he pursues us. And God had every reason in the world to reject us as humans. I mean, ever since he created humanity, humans have been rebelling against him, rejecting him. You look at the nation of Israel God's chosen people through the Old Testament period who would bring the Savior into the world. They too turn their back on God over and over and over. And you look at I mean, each one of us, just look at our own lives. And if we really look at ourselves honestly and humbly through the lens of Scripture, we will see that we too have rejected God over and over and over. Yet rather than rejecting us, God pursues us. And He did it first and foremost through the person of Jesus when he became flesh. And and why did he do this? He did it because he loves us and because he is a personal God. He wants to be with us. Otherwise, you can't really account for what is said here um, in Matthew 1, quoted from Isaiah, when it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They They will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God wanted and wants to be with us. Because that's the type of God he is. If we really want to see the heart of God, just look at Jesus. Because Jesus is God. You look at how Jesus interacted with people around him when he walked this earth 2,000 years ago. When he encountered people who had some need, who, who needed a listening ear, he gave them his undivided attention. When he encountered people who were struggling or even outcasts of society, people with all kinds of messiness and baggage in their past, he showed them genuine care. He showed that common, everyday, ordinary people like you and me, we matter to God. And if you're going through hard things, if you're going through struggles and anxieties and and grief and all kinds of other difficult circumstances in your life, know that Jesus knows what that's like. That's the benefit of him becoming human. Because he has had firsthand experience of what it means and what it's like to be rejected. What it feels like to be unpopular or to be misinterpreted. He knows what it's like to face temptations and trials. He knows what it's like to be hurt by your friends or by your family. And Jesus not, not only wants to be God with us in a general way, he wants to be God with you, to walk with you through the trials that you face. So it's important to recognize that, you know what, we are never alone. We are never alone. We may feel like we are alone sometimes when other people around us don't understand or when they kind of turn their back on us or just we're out isolated from others. But God is everywhere. And sin has severed our relationship with God yet Jesus opens a way for us to have a reconciled, renewed relationship with him. That's why he came to this world. And so Jesus opens that way for us to know God. And again, God is everywhere. The key for us is to recognize His presence and to lean on His presence by trusting in Him and by talking with Him in prayer. And when we recognize the presence of God in our midst, it won't always fix our problems, but it will clarify our perspective and calm our hearts. And so this is a huge blessing that God gives us. He opened that door through Jesus for us to have this renewed relationship with God, to to rejoice and to have confidence in His presence. Because he is present right here. He is present when you leave here tonight. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. He's ever present help in times of trouble. The important thing for us is that we turn to him and lean on him. And that points to a challenge that we all have. The challenge is that even though God is always here, that we so easily turn our backs on him. There's a classic hymn called Come That Fount that says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. And we are all prone to turn our backs on God. Now, I shared earlier the story of of my first time skiing in Colorado. That first day after ski school lost me, my parents made me go back to ski school that afternoon. And then I never went to ski school again in my life. And I'm thankful for that. I'm happy for that. And I actually became a pretty good skier. And the next year, my family went back out to Colorado, this time... ...with some friends who had a son about my age. So we were each about eight years old, and we enjoyed skiing fast. And there was one particular day that, that the boy, us boys were skiing with the moms... ...so the dads could go off and ski some more difficult terrain. And, and as I said, even though we were eight years old, hadn't skied a whole lot up to that point... ...but we still were decent skiers and enjoyed skiing fast. And that particular day we were skiing too fast... The moms could not keep up with us, and we didn't even know it. Because we were just two eight year old boys having fun, just going out there skiing fast, and the moms couldn't keep up, and they lost us. But us being oblivious eight year old boys didn't even recognize that they had lost us. We were just skiing, figuring they must be behind us, and they lost us. Now, amazingly, here's another really cool story. Remember the dads, they're out there somewhere on this mountain. And they had taken a break in a warming hut, probably got hot chocolate or something like that. They're coming out of the warming hut and see two young boys ski right past them, flying, with no parent around at all. And they suddenly realize these are their sons. And so they rush, they put on their skis, they take off after us. I mean, they're still still much faster skiers than us 8-year-old boys are. They catch up with us and let's just say we had a nice conversation about the importance of skiing responsibly. And not leaving your parents. Because here's the really ironic thing. One year earlier, I had been lost. I'd been abandoned. And my mom came to my rescue. And she was such a source of comfort and relief and peace for me. Yet here I am just one year later. And without trying to, I had abandoned her. And I still knew in my mind, I I need her. I I have to depend on my parents. I'm only eight years old at that point. I knew that in my mind, but still, with how I was living in that moment, I turned my back on her. And and thankfully, I have a dad who who was in the right place at the right time to pursue me, to chase me down, and to rescue me. And that's what God does. We so easily turn our backs on him, yet he pursues us. He chases us down. We sang a song earlier tonight that is talking about God's love. And it says, there is no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down and fights till I'm found. Now in those skiing accounts they gave you from my early childhood, I think one of the most amazing things is that each of these ski areas was over 3,000 acres large. And my parents just happened to be in the right place at the right time to rescue me when I needed rescuing. That is pretty amazing in and of itself. Now, the really cool thing about God is that we don't have to hope that God's in the right place at the right time to rescue us or to be a comfort and a source of hope and peace for us. Because remember, God is everywhere. He again said he will never leave us nor forsake us. And Jesus opens that door for us to experience that presence of God, to be confident in the presence of God anytime. And I pray that each one of us will be intentional and diligent to really walk with God on a daily basis, to experience the hope and the confidence and even the joy that God can give us even as we face the uncertainties of life. Now, if you are here tonight and you're just wondering, okay, well, I'm hearing these things. I, I want more joy, confidence, hope, peace in the midst of the challenges of life. What does that really look like? In your bulletin, there's a connection card. And we're going to receive the offering in just a few minutes. On the connection card, if you're wondering, you know, what does this look like? I, I'm, or I'm facing a lot of challenges I, I'd like someone to talk with. I encourage you, fill out that connection card. And on the bottom of the card, there are a couple boxes you can check to receive more information. Um, or... One of the other things, if you're going through challenges in life and you just think, you know what, I just wish I had someone who would listen or pray with me, just write in your connection card, please call me, and I will call you. It won't necessarily be in the next couple days. I have some other things going on, but I will call you um, because, you know what, everyone needs people to know that, that in their lives to know they aren't alone. I'd love to be able to talk with you about whatever challenges you're facing, connect you with others who might be able to walk with you as well and ultimately help you experience what it means to live in the presence of God on a moment-by-moment basis. Because there is nothing that compares to the greatness of knowing Jesus. He is the ultimate Christmas presence because he is the gift from God that keeps on giving. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to pursue us. We did not deserve that love. We can't do anything to earn that love. Yet you gave it to us because of who you are. You saw that we were helpless. We saw that that we could not redeem ourselves. And you came. Lord, we thank you that you give us hope and life in the midst of life's challenges. We thank you that we can relate to you, that you can relate to us. And, Lord, I pray that as we journey through the rest of our lives, even as we journey through the rest of this day and the rest of this week, that you will awaken our hearts in fresh ways to your love and to your presence that's always with us, that we are never alone, even if other humans aren't around us. So they all understand, Lord, we're thankful that we can trust in you. And I pray that each one of us will be growing and trusting in you. And, Lord, thank you that you want to be God with us, our Emmanuel. And I pray that as we uh, give back to you a portion of the resources that you've entrusted to us that you will use these resources, these tithes and offerings to help more and more people experience God with us. We pray these things in your name. Amen.